You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Amen. Well, on behalf of uh, myself, Lori, and our entire staff, uh, we want to thank you for tuning in today. Uh, We want to thank you who have been calling in and writing in and responding on our Facebook and different ways of communicating with us and just letting us know you're praying for us and that you're still there. That means so much to us. Although these are indeed uncharted waters, uh, God has been very faithful to give us vision for each and every day. Vision to continue the ministry, to continue our efforts, to love on the body of Christ and to uh, equip the body of Christ and to keep the body of Christ informed. It, is, uh, it has not been easy to walk around here and see our property uh, closed up, uh, all sanitized up, uh, but it's exciting to see those parts of our property that God is continuing to use uh, by our staff and our, our volunteers who are coming in and, and um, well, they're just working on getting information out to you and, and setting up videos and recording videos and, um, man, it's been great to see our Calvary Chapel, uh, our Calvary Disaster Relief Team come in. And, and they've been preparing um, love boxes that they've been going and just to the, to the seasoned saints within our church, dropping them off uh, on the porch and just uh, asking them how we could pray for them and just letting them know that we, we love them. Um, it's a different look indeed. Uh, people wearing masks and gloves and standing six feet apart, uh, but it's the look of love on this property, your property, uh, of Calvary Chapel La Habra these days. And um, I want to thank all the children who made cards and you parents who brought those cards uh, into the church. That's been exciting to see these people receive the cards uh, on their doorstep, lots of tears, uh, calming their fear, a lot of joy. So keep making those cards and, and get those cards uh, in here. Again, uh, it, it, being a part is not easy. But as we turn to God and the vision that he continues to give us for our church in this season, um, he will bring us through this and we are going to be stronger than ever as a result. We know that this will test every Christian and every church and reveal what they have been built on. We'll look back on this and we'll be able to see the fruit that God produced through those that were connected to his son Jesus, who were abiding in him. Man, it's going to be exciting. We want to remind you that, again, if you need prayer or if you have an urgent need, please call the church office, please email us. And uh, we would love to pray with you and do our best to meet your needs. Uh, a popular scripture reference that uh, many have been you know, texting around these days, a great one, is, is out of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 9. And it says this, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence. For your name is this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Uh, We might not be standing together in a church building right now, but, but we are collectively making up the church as we gather in, in hundreds of homes and in very unique settings. Pestilence has come. That's we, we gather collectively together in his presence for his name. And the idea for his name is in his authority and by his power. And cry out to God in our affliction and he will hear and save. Lord, again, we just want to start off this time in your word. As we are apart, but united again in you, we cry out to you, Lord. Man, keep us healthy, keep us safe, continue to provide for us. And, and Lord, show us how to continue being your blood-bought bride. Show us how to, how to be church in our homes and, and within the sphere of influence that you've given us. 
Lord, we pray you would use all of these, these platforms that you've given us uh, as we're listening right now online, as we could text one another and email one another and call one another with, with Facebook and Instagram and all of these ways that we can continue to advance your kingdom by your spirit with fresh vision from the throne. Lord, show us our part and may fear not hold us back, but may faith in you drive us forward. As we gather now, anoint your word. As we study your word, open our hearts. As the kids will listen to their study, open their hearts. Speak to us now, Holy Spirit. We pray from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to, um, I want to share a familiar passage that uh, it's a go-to passage when we find ourselves in difficult times, and it's, it's in Isaiah chapter 40. So if you would, turn your Bibles over there, and, and uh, as you're, you're doing that, I'll, I'll continue to talk a little bit, but get your Bibles, get your iPads, whatever they might be, and um, uh, I, I'm just going to continue to read here. It's going to be very difficult to find someone whose life who has not been impacted by the outbreak of the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, this pandemic. Thousands of people have lost their lives. Masses more are sick and they are, they are hunkered down in their homes so that they do not get sick. Economies around the world have been absolutely rocked. Borders are closed. Travel bans have been placed all around the world. Non-essential businesses have been temporarily shut down. Employees have been asked to stay home from work. Millions are trying to work from home. Others have been laid off. Schools have been shut down. Students have been asked to, to, to stay home. Churches have, have closed their campuses to group assemblies. And, and they're hosting online services just like we are right now. You know, I've got a couple of funny texts. Uh, I think we could have a light moment or two right now. Maybe you can share these funny texts with a few people. But uh, one of them was that I got. It said that if schools stay closed too long, the parents are the ones that are going to find the vaccine before the scientists do. I found that to be pretty funny. Um, secondly, I heard another one that um, all kids uh, uh, forced to do school from home. Uh, parents are sent home from work just like that. Prayer and spanking are back in school. I really enjoyed that one. But on a serious note, there is a lot of uncertainty in the air. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the certainty of God in uncertain times. As a brother texted me recently, he said, I, I wish I knew the future. And there was a, like a pause in his text. And he goes, no, I don't. My text back was, well, you do know the future, and his name is Jesus, our present Lord, and our soon coming King. And his text back was simply this, well put. But there is uncertainty in the air when it comes to our future. And the question is, though, what do we do when the uncertainty is real, when there is uncertainty in the air? Answer, we turn to that which is certain. We turn to the one who is certain. We turn to the one that is greater than any virus, the one that is greater than any pandemic, that all the combined disruption can bring to the world at one time. Listen, God wants us to know that he is greater than the disruption that we are going through in this season. And Isaiah chapter 40 speaks to this reality. The setting, it's, it's, it's not unique. It's something we've studied around here as we've thought through the history of the nation of Israel. God, at this particular point in time, was, was speaking to his people who found themselves as well in very difficult circumstances. He is addressing a remnant that had been living a life in Babylonian captivity. They are defeated. They are dejected. They are disillusioned. They are devastated. Their lives 
and, and the lives of the people that they love have been destroyed, have been radically disrupted, and they find themselves hopeless. They are, they are completely overwhelmed. Their future is completely uncertain. How could this hurting, devastated remnant of Jews living in such uncertain times ever return to life as they knew it? How will they ever be free from the horrific circumstances? How will they ever pick up the pieces and return to what they once had and rebuild what was once theirs? How will their lives be restored? How will they be restored physically? And how will they re be restored monetarily, emotionally, rationally? This, this, this relational church that we have. Man, what is God going to do with us in this season, relationally and spiritually? Under these kind of circumstances, man will always be silenced by his limitations and the uncertainty of his plight. But God in his infinite ability speaks. And we see in verses 1 and verse 2 what God has to say. Comfort, yes. Comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak comfort to Jerusalem. Cry out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. There are people today that are talking about this pandemic and they are asking about God and his role in all of this. There are people that are wondering, is this the end or the birth pangs intensifying that are moving towards or indicating that we are moving towards the end times? All of that might be true. There are those that are questioning, man, is, is God judging the world? There are those that are questioning God's fairness at this time, God's ability at this, this time. And all of those questions should be absolutely on the table. Time will tell as to what the answers to those questions might be in the future. But today we have the, the immediate, inerrant, inspired, eternal Word of God that is able to bring us the help that we need right now. And the first thing that we see is, is God's Word. God's Word of, of comfort. And what are those words that we, we see here in Isaiah chapter 4? I, I, I see you, God says. I see your pain. I, I see your circumstances. I, I see all of what you're going through, and I'm moving towards you to deliver you. You know, God knows how much difficulty we can handle. In our trial, God knows what we need to hear, and when we need to hear it. What do we really need to hear in our, our, our difficult times? Well, the first word is comfort. What is it that God has to offer? He has to offer us comfort. How many of you in your homes right now would be like, man, <laughs> I need some comfort? Second Corinthians chapter 1, it talks about God being the God of all comfort, who, who comforts us with a comfort that we can then use to comfort others. Most believe this is all taking place towards the latter part of a 70-year captivity with the, the nation of Israel as they are there in Babylonian captivity. But God knew the when. He knew exactly what they would need to hear, and he knew when they would need to hear it. God knew that his people needed encouragement right then and right there. Yes, they, they were, in their case, being judged for their sin. They had, they had brought this bondage on themselves because God had warned them. But they were still his people, and he still loved them. Yes, in their, their case, their particular case, they were in a chastening season. But he would not forsake them. He simply extends mercy to them and, and comfort to them and pardon to them 
God was desiring to bless them. God was desiring to meet their needs. What else did he say? Her warfare is ended. He wanted them to know that the time of trial had a shelf life. He wanted them to know that, 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 that there will be an end to this. And church, again, I just want to encourage you. There is an end to this. We will get through this. You will get through this. God will bring us through this. And that is a word of comfort that we need to hear right now. And that is a word of comfort that we need to speak confidently to our children, to our neighbors, to our relatives, and to our loved ones, and to our church body, as much as we could be reaching out to one another right now. In verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the, the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So again, what else did God speak? What else did God want them to know? He wanted them to know that he was aware that they had been through a lot and that he was aware that they had a rough road ahead of them as they would get past the captivity and they would have to return back to what they knew as normal life and begin to rebuild Jerusalem, the temple, but that he would go before them to open the way. And that's an encouraging word we need to think about as well. God is not just with us right now presently, but he has gone before us, way before us, dealing with whatever monetary issues we might have, dealing with whatever kind of relational challenges and issues we might have, dealing with whatever challenges we might have as the body of Christ globally, nationally, and locally here. God's already gone before us. And we need to have that confidence that he's, he's with us right now, that he sees our plight, that he's moving towards us to bring us comfort and peace. He's, he, he brings us his word, which we have right now. And then there's just this mindset of knowing that meant he's gone before us. He's already working on those details that we will have to be dealing with when the coronavirus and this pandemic has come to an end. And the picture here is of an ambassador repairing the roads and, and removing obstacles and preparing the way for the coming king. Listen, for any of you that are overwhelmed today, it is God's desire again to come to you right where you are in the midst of your fear, in the midst of your uncertainty. He wants us to prepare our hearts to receive him. This is where, where faith needs to be put into practice. We need to believe this. We need to lay hold of this. We need to, as it says here, prepare the way of the Lord because he will not force himself upon us. We do this by taking the, the twisted, crooked thinking in our mind and we expose that to his word just like we are doing right now. And he will straighten that out in short order. In crying out to God, God, this is my Mount Everest of a trial. Please help. It says here that he will bring every mountain low. I cry out. God, it, it's hurt. I hurt. I'm dealing with some real anxiety. I'm dealing with some real uncertainty. I'm in, a, I'm in a dark valley right now. Well, every valley shall be exalted. What does that mean? He will lift you up. God sees the rough places. What does that mean? The difficult moments, the turbulent days, the sleepless nights. And he says, give that to me and I will make the rough places smooth. 
You turn to me, and as it says here, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God says, he speaks. I will show up. I will accomplish what I have purposed. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and I like this, publicly. Everyone exposed to you will become exposed to what God is doing in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your home in this season. His glory, what he does, will be admired, it will be trembled at, because God will have done what only God can do. We can be certain of that because, as it says here, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Christianity is not about what we can do. It's about what God has promised to do and what God actually does for us. In verse 6, the voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And in all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Again, God says, you turn to me. You, you, you make way for me. Then this this difficult circumstance that you are going through will fade away. Listen, God is saying your difficult circumstance, church, will be eclipsed by me and my word, my word that stands forever. It will be consumed by God, by his comfort and by his peace. And that's a good word. In verse 9, O Zion, you who Bring good tidings. Get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, say to the city of La Habra, behold your God. Here we see hope being revived. Listen, there is a, a time where life in, in the valley comes to a close, and, and God beckons us to the mountaintop. He calls us to that place where we can declare his victory in our life, we, that, that place where we can then be, begin to proclaim the wonderful work that God has done in our lives. As Isaiah says here, we will lift up our voice with strength, and we will no longer be afraid, and we will say to everyone around us, Behold your God. And again, don't miss this. This is not our doing. Notice in verse 10. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Our God's work, our God doesn't work I should say, at arm's length like we are today. <laughs> He's not following some six-foot rule, some, man, I can only work with ten people at a time rule. All of those rules are important for what we're going through. But God is not limited by the rules that are coming down from a government. Some people think God only works through the church when the church is active with its weekly programs. Some people think that God only works through the ministry or the minister. No, no, no. God works in our life personally. He comes to us personally. In Psalm 46, 1 and 2, it says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of need. Therefore, we will not fear. Church, in your home right now, I want you to repeat this after me, okay? I, I want you to just, 
I know this is weird. I'm not going to make you hold hands with anybody or, or any of that. But I want you to repeat this after me. It is again out of Psalm 46, 1 and 2. Repeat this after me. God is our refuge and our strength. Repeat that. A very present help in time of need. And say this out loud. Therefore, we will not fear. We're as kids. If you are a female, you are God's little girl. If you're a male, <laughs> you are God's little boy. And he cares about you. You are the apple of his eye. He loves you. He sees you. He is coming to you right now with comfort and with strength by his Holy Spirit. Just embrace him even now. Embrace his presence. Let the fear dispel. Let it dispel. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Man, we are in a difficult season, but, but this difficult season is not a season where he will not be found and where the fruit of his spirit will not be found. We, we are in a season where we can find fullness of joy. Again, he brings his presence. And his presence is our strength and our reward, our, our peace, our joy. Notice in verse 11, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Man, what an incredible picture that is. When God steps into our circumstances, he does so as a tender shepherd desiring to, to feed our weary souls. He is desiring, picture him, man. He is desiring to, to gather us in his arms. And that speaks of a, a personal touch. That speaks of a personal embrace. It speaks of personal safety, personal protection, personal care from our shepherd. To carry us in his bosom. What, what could be more intimate than that? I, I dropped by my little Kendi's house yesterday just kind of to stand on the porch. I missed my Ezra. I wanted to see him. Um, it is uh, with joy to see him. It was Kendra. It's her birthday yesterday. And happy birthday, Kendi, if you're watching again. We love you. But man, she came out and, and, and she was holding on to her little baby and, and little Ezra. And I just stood there and, and I thought, wow, what a, what a beautiful, tender picture that is. What a picture of, of intimacy, of care, of just there's, there's nothing that that little boy needs that mama isn't not just willing but ready and able to give. And that's exactly what we should think of when we see God as, as he's desiring now to, to carry us. Little Ezra was just there, completely trusting in mom, com completely resting in her embrace and everything that she was bringing to him. She was resting, excuse me, Ezra was resting in her strength. Ezra was resting in what what mama would do for her, what daddy would be doing for her. Him. He's a him. But, but, but it was such a vivid picture. And, and this is what Isaiah wants us to think about in a season where, where, where circumstances are just way bigger than us. That, that, that God will carry us in his bosom. He will gently lead those also who are with young. Parents, listen up. This, this shows us that God is also very interested in those around us that are affected by this difficult pandemic. 
kids that are out of school, maybe grandmas and grandpas that are listening to, to the cable network news way too much. <laughs> Man, it shows us that God will gently lead those around us as well. The young here represent those who are especially weak, those who are especially vulnerable. There's a lot of talk in the news these days, and rightfully so, about, about the elderly and, and, and those that are having compromised health issues, those that are vulnerable. What a beautiful picture this is to know that God has all of you in mind. What a beautiful picture to know that, that he is thinking about you in a very unique way and wants to handle you in a very unique way because you are vulnerable. God will gently lead us all through these difficult times with our loved ones in mind as well. Next, we come to a, a series of scriptures that are designed to, to build our faith in God's greatness and his infinite abilities. In, in verse 12, it says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? And Isaiah says, listen, let's, let's consider the infinite capacity of God through creation. The waters of all of the oceans and the, and the lakes and the rivers are, are held like, like one little pool in God's cupped hand. <laughs> That's an amazing picture. The, the heavens are, are marked off by the span of God's outstretched thumb from his pinky. To us, this is a, a just massive stuff to handle but to God, it's nothing. Just like the most difficult circumstances in our life, listen, it's simply this. God is bigger. God is bigger. In verse 13, who has directed the Spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge? And showed him the way of understanding. There are those times when circumstances seem to be so complex that we just we feel that no one could ever figure them out or no one's ever gonna come up with a solution. But creation shows not only God's infinite power and his immensity, but it also reveals his wisdom. Think of all of the genius that went into creation. From the intricacies of the universe, you know, the function of, of, of gravity, to the location of the sun and its proximity to the earth, and with that precise just placement of God with the sun in our, in our galaxy, we, we are able to have life on this planet as we know it. Think of every created plant and its function and its capacity to function and reproduce. Think of every created animal, every fish, and the design that allows life to exist underwater. Think of just the human eye that you're using right now, uh, well, for you to watch me and for me to kind of go, go through a camera and maybe look at you. Think of the brain and the, the central nervous system and, and our, our reproductive system. Think about the human heart. No bigger than, than your fist, but it, it beats each day about, about, about a million times, and it sends like 2,000 gallons of blood surging through our body, keeping just the blood flowing through about 60,000 miles of blood vessels, all designed to feed our organs and our tissue. With all of this genius, with all of the wisdom that, that, that creation required, God never needed a consultant. God never needed a teacher. God never needed someone to help him understand anything. So obviously, there is no circumstance that will ever stump him. And let that settle in our hearts. God's got this. He's brought us along so far. 
And he's got our today in his hand, our tomorrow in his hand, and he's got a plan that, to, to bring us through. Verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the, the, the aisles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor is beast sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him as less than nothing and worthless. The idea is that God is greater than anything on earth. He is greater than any nations and their gods. People and, 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 and nations they're like nothing before him, like a mere drop of water or a dust particle on a scale. All the wood and animals in Lebanon would, would, would be inadequate for sacrifices to such a great God, is what Isaiah says. Verse 18, to whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare him? The workman molds an image. The goldsmith overspreads it with gold. The silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a, a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. Even when we look to whatever it is that mankind makes, they make what they make with the materials that God has created and with the skills that God has given them. Another convincing reason to turn to God for help in our time of need rather than to man. Verse 21. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its habitations are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a great tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth, when he will also blow on them, and they will wither." And the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. Again, Isaiah speaking about God's supremacy. It has always been from the beginning. It, encom it encompasses the entire earth. It encompasses all of creation. His authority and purposes are supreme to any leaders, past, present, or future. The most powerful leaders are like the seedlings to God. Think about that. Verse 25. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number, who calls them by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. When we are overwhelmed by circumstances that are bigger than us, we don't need someone like us to deliver us. We need someone bigger than us to deliver us. Lest you forget who that is, maybe tonight, if we do have clear skies, it's supposed to rain, but one of these nights where it's not going to be raining, look up, lift up your eyes, and, re and just remember who created all of that. Remember who is sustaining all of that. Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. What does that mean? It means that God is shouting at us. He shouts with galaxies. He shouts with stars. He shouts with planets. 
the sun, the, the, the moon. God is shouting at me. He's shouting at you, saying, look at me. Look up and see my creativity. Look up and, and see my, my infinite, unlimited ability. Look up and see my majesty. Look up and see my power, my might, my creativity, my, 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 my beauty. Look up and see my ability. Look up and see my sustaining control. Look up and, and see my glory. He's saying, look up and see me. And see me for who I am. See me for what I am able to do. And may that bring peace and comfort to your soul. God wants us to see something about himself. The God who brings out the host by number every night, who calls them all by name so not one of them is missing. He has promised us himself and all of his glory with all of his ability. Don't you think, church, he deserves our confidence? Don't you, don't you think he deserves our faith, our trust? Don't you think the one who is ever-present in our time of need, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe, deserves our confidence. Yes, he does. If you look at God through your circumstances, he will seem small. He will seem far away. He will seem even out of touch. But if by faith you and I look at our circumstances through God, through his ability, through his plan, through his word, he will draw very near. He will draw very near and reveal his, his greatness to us. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from God, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Knowing all of this about God, how can we possibly think God doesn't notice us, God doesn't see us, or God is not possibly able to help me or, 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 or be what I need in uncertain times? Isaiah is challenging the irrationality of unbelief here. Isaiah is challenging shallow faith here. Isaiah is, is challenging the person who has not been turning to God and tuning into God through his word. He's challenging them here. And he's saying, listen, God's people should never think that he has forgotten them. God's people should never think that he is far removed from them. God's people should never think he is unable or not able or limited to help them. He is challenging the irrationality of unbelief here. We are living in a day and age where over the last probably decade, countless Christians, I know in our state, and I'm speaking from California, I know people might be watching from different parts of the world, but around here in California, there has been people that have looked at circumstances such as traffic, <laughs> such as gridlock, such as just the laws of our state. They, 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 they've just looked at what's happening with the liberal agenda, agenda of our schools. They're, they're looking at the crime rate. They're just looking at high taxation. And they're looking at all of these circumstances over the last probably decade at least. And they're looking at all of that. And because of all of that, they want to run from that. And, and there's part of me in my, my, my human reasoning. I see that. And I go, man... I understand that. I want to I continue to pursue that which is, is comfortable and run away from that which is seen as inconvenienced or even as a possible threat. Listen, that mindset has, has crept into not just our culture out here, but it has crept into the church. It is not time to circle the wagons and hunker down and to, to act like you got this under control. It is not time to begin to, to forget about the, the, the body of Christ or the one who paid for the body of Christ. It is time to turn to him and to seek his heart 
and to seek his help. Help for you as an individual, but help that he wants to do and produce through your life to other individuals. It is time to take the comfort that he gives me and pass that comfort on to others. As I've been saying to our church for the last couple of years, we are following a God who does not retreat. I know some of you, this might be hard to hear. For some of you, you might be saying, listen, I don't need to be you know, challenged with that kind of charge right now. Listen, I'm not the one who is challenging you with this charge. God's word challenges all of us with this charge. Isaiah is challenging the irrationality of unbelief. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Hopefully right now you can say yes. Second question, do you believe him to be your Lord, your ever-present help in time of need? Do you believe that? Are you living that out? And are you getting fresh vision and fresh, fresh direction from him on a daily basis? He, God is not letting this, this coronavirus upend his, his mission for our generation. God is in no way uh, letting this pandemic, this, this, uh, this you know, putting people in, in, in small groups and this putting people in their homes, holding him back for the mission that he has for you as one of his blood-bought children. None of that is holding him back. As he was trying to encourage these people, there's a day, and it's today, I want to come to you. There is a tomorrow that I'm already working on. Trust me today, and I will lead you into your your tomorrow. The tomorrow that I have for you. Isaiah is challenging the irrationality of unbelief here in light of who God is as it looks at his role, as he looks at his role of creation, in light of what what he has done in sustaining all of that, Isaiah's like, man, God's people should never think he has forgotten them, that he is done with them. God's people should never think that he is not wanting to include them in his plan. Verse 28 Get more popular verses, these more popular verses now. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Everything that matters in life hinges on who God is. First, he is eternal the everlasting God. You and I are are locked inside a narrow little slot called the right now. The present moment is is all we experience. And the the urgency of the present moment can kind of squeeze us with with, with the pressure so so that we make costly mistakes out of our own exaggerated sense of emergency. But God is not confined to time. God is equally present to all points of time at once. God is always out ahead of us. So we should never panic if things aren't falling together according to our deadlines. God is working out his purpose. He's working it out in his own way, in his own time, at his own pace, without you know, being hurried. Or, or nervous or desperate like we become at times. Secondly, God is the creator of everything. He's the creator of everything all the way to the very ends of the earth. There is not a single square inch on earth that is unknown to God. No place, no circumstance, no square inch that is lying beyond the range of his presence. No pandemic that is lying beyond the range of his touch. Anywhere life may take us, whether Babylonian exile or a stay-at-home order by a state, God will already be 
there for us. Thirdly, again, God is already at work. He neither faints nor is weary. He's always at work. We, we tire daily. I've been tired the last couple of weeks. But God doesn't tire. We need nourishment. We need rest every day. We spend about a third of our life asleep in a bed, recouping our strength, and then we die. God doesn't need restoration. He is eternally inexhaustible. He is a, a fountain of resources that don't exhaust. In any given event in your life, he is actively accomplishing multiple, incalculable things we will never be aware of. And he never grows weary and he never grows hungry. Life will be uncertain. There are depths to life we don't understand. There are depths to God's wisdom we can't access. Faith believes that God knows what he is doing, so we, we don't live by explanations. We live by God's promises. Verse 29, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. To you who are weak, you're faint, you're, you're weary, you're fearful, you're, you're, you're uncertain, God will meet you right where you are at and give you exactly what you need to carry you through. He will impart his strength to those who are weak. To those who put their faith in God. Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isaiah 41 verse 40. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Verse 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. So he's like, Isaiah's like, all human strength at its best in its prime will inevitably fail. But those, in verse 31, who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk in and not faint. Listen, Isaiah is not merely saying God enables those who draw strength from his promise. He is saying God enables those who draw strength from his promise to do the impossible. The weak soar like eagles and, 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 and run without tiring and walk without quitting. The key word here is wait. To wait for the Lord is not killing time. The word means to live in, in, in confident, eager suspense. It means to live like you have great expectation, to live in great expectation. Waiting is what faith does before God answers or shows up. It's what my dog Koa does when I ask him if he wants a treat. He just gets on his tippy toes and he, he leans forward with eager longing. And that's what the idea. If you're being held captive by fear, if you're being held captive by uncertainty, know that God is bigger. Know that he is certain. He is certain about what he wants to be to you. He is certain about what he wants to do for you. As we come to this time, we're going to close out in prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here to join me. I want you to to gather your family together, maybe even your kids right now. And we're gonna, we're gonna take some time and just close out, out in prayer. And I want you to 
to, to, to lean in on this prayer with me. I want you just to, I'm going to be praying for you. You're going to be praying for me. We're going to be praying for the, the body of Christ. We're going to be praying for one another. So gather the kids in. Have a seat. And bow your heads with me. Father, as we have learned in our study, you see our plight. Many are dealing with fear and uncertainty as we find ourselves living in a world that is being affected by this pandemic. You have promised to speak comfort to our souls with the promise that the end of our plight is near. It has a shelf life. Our part is to prepare the way of the Lord in our hearts. So right now, we, we place the crooked, twisted thinking in our minds at your feet. We ask that you would take the promises of your word and straighten out our errant thinking. Father, smooth out the rough places, the difficult moments, the turbulent days, the sleepless nights. Father, show up right now. Begin to accomplish your purposes right now. And Lord, we ask that you would do that so that your glory will be revealed through our lives publicly. That we may be certain of it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Father, you are supreme. You are eternal. You are infinite. You are all-powerful. You are our all-knowing God that is bigger then all our disruption, all of our fear, and all of our uncertainty combined. You are not limited by time or ability. There is no place. There is no pain. There is no hurt. There is no part of the impact of coronavirus upon our lives that is lying beyond the range of your touch that is lying beyond the range of your presence. You are with us now as we deal with this now and the disruptions that have been brought into our life. We ask that you would give power to the weak and to those who have no might. Please increase their strength. For those of us who are waiting upon you right now, renew our strength. So we can be what you've called us to be to our spouses, to our children, to our families, to our friends, to our neighbors, and to the church. For any that are sick, we pray that you'd heal them up. For those that are healthy, keep us healthy. For those that are in need, we pray you would meet their need. And we pray this in the name of Jesus because you've asked us to because there's power and authority and help in that name. Jesus, be with my family and with my friends. Calvary La Habra. May you use this time in your word, this, this worship setting, to bring comfort and strength. Use this, Lord, to unite us to all who have made the effort and the time. And they're joining us here in our state, our nation, or around the world, Lord. Have your hand on them. We unite our faith. We collectively pray now for our president. This coronavirus task force that is surrounding him. All of our the leaders around the world give them wisdom. Keep them healthy. Our local leaders. 
May we continue to have the opportunity afforded to us to do this and to reach out in our community to those in need. Help us, Father. Continue to open the door. Provide for us. Keep us healthy. And we will run and not grow weary. We will walk and we will not faint. And we will continue to wait upon you and do what you've called us to do, be what you've called us to be, and give you glory through the process. And in the end, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you.